Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Terrorists bring beheadings out west, a gruesome new trend. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and your terrorist therapist. Well, you may have heard something about this, um, although the media in um, America is pretty much um, overwhelmed with COVID and elections. But um, there have been two beheadings in France in recent weeks. And um, it's, it seems like the start of a uh, particularly gruesome trend. Now, beheadings aren't new, of course. Uh, the ancient Greeks and Romans uh, did beheadings, and they looked at it as an honorable form of death. And other countries have done beheadings, um, even in Europe, in England, and in France. Of course, in France, with the uh, uh, revolution, there was the guillotine. <laughs> so that part isn't so new, although the thing is that um, in Europe, it's rare now. And because most of the countries in Europe have abolished capital punishment, but it is still practiced occasionally in some Asian and Middle Eastern countries. And terrorists have kind of taken it over. So beginning with the murder of Daniel Pearl, do you remember that from 2002, an American journalist who was kidnapped in Pakistan, uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda have taken over beheadings as their <laughs> favorite form of killing. And um, particularly as a propaganda tool because it is so gruesome. I mean, the point of terrorists is to uh, create terror, and um, a beheading is a lot more terrifying than, let's say, a gunshot wound <laughs> or shooting pers a person or knifing a person. Actually, beheading them um, is it, it elicits even more terror. So um, they've been using uh, videos of beheadings, of course, to terrorize us. They made mass beheadings of Syrian and Iraqi captives in 2014. They've used the threat of beheading to get ransom payments from some Western governments. And several British and American hostages have been beheaded, in addition to Daniel Pearl. So um, <laughs> this is their trademark. And um, they, it has now reared its ugly head. Oh, God, that's a terrible pun. <laughs> but 
uh, in, in France uh, just recently. Now, the first victim um, to be beheaded was a teacher named Samuel Petit. Petit. <laughs> and he was 47. And he was beheaded by a man uh, called Abdullah Anzarov. He was 18. He grew up in France from age six. He went to French public schools. He, however, um, ended up murdering a teacher, not his teacher, um, and um, beheading him. And this has become quite a, uh, a national uh, cause celeb because, um, well, first of all, it's connected to the uh, Charlie Hebdo republishing the cartoons. Now, I did on September 5th, I did a terrorist therapist show uh, called Charlie Hebdo Republishing Cartoons, Freedom of Speech or Asking for Trouble. And since then, although of course it was uh, freedom of speech, it was the point of it, of republishing it was to stand up for freedom of speech, uh, publishing these cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad. Um, but there has been a backlash, not only in France, but there has been a backlash against France uh, in other countries, in the Middle East, and so on. And so uh, this is the latest part of the backlash. The trial, I mean, the reason why the Charlie Hebdo republished the cartoons in the first place was because it was on the eve of the trial of accomplices uh, in Paris, of accomplices to the originally Charlie, the original Charlie Hebdo attack, terrorist attack, which was in 2015. And um, that, I, I refer you to uh, that show because it goes into detail about who, what the trial is all about and um, why they republished it and what the cartoons are like and so on. Um, and so the, the trial has been going on in Paris uh, since then. And um, it is expected to finish, the verdict is expected to come out um, in November. Uh, in a couple of weeks. And um, in the meantime, there have been these attacks. This is actually, the, the two beheadings that I'm gonna talk about are actually the second and then third um, major result of the republishing of the cartoons. The first attack that came because of the republishing was actually an attack outside the doors of where the Charlie Hebdo publishing uh, office used to be. They have since moved since the attack because, um, because it was dangerous <laughs> to, they, you know, it was dangerous to have people know where they were located. And so there was an attack right outside. Some people in the street were attacked by terrorists. But that was relatively, and that was relatively a minor, um, I mean, you know, any attack where people are killed or injured is, is serious. But these two beheadings, of course, are a lot more serious, and the country has reacted, um, shown unity in the, with the idea that we will not uh, we will not stop free speech, we will not stop democracy, and so on. Um, that this is important. I mean, when when Charlie Hebdo uh, published those cartoons originally, and then of course 
uh, when they republished them, when they republished them, it was to remind people that when they published them originally, um, that there was a whole uprising, so to speak, of people saying, je suis Charlie, je suis Charlie, um, you know, people believing in free speech. So anyhow, let me get on to the teacher. And so this um, teacher um, was, he was a history teacher and um, he was trying to make a point. He was trying to teach his students about free speech. And he was known to, um, to, he was appreciated in fact, as a teacher who didn't want to just um, teach about things that happened in the past, like, you know, dead people or, <laughs> um, you know, only things that, that wouldn't interest, well, history should interest students because of all ages, because there is that saying, um, he who forgets or ignores history is doomed to repeat it. Um, so he, um, the, the teacher was, was, uh, was really appreciated because of his way of teaching that he, um, you know, that he, he tried to relate things from history to things that the students need to know about today. And so he was bringing it up, um, you know, of course, this was after the whole uh, republishing of the cartoons. So it was in the French, you know, there was already a lot of talk, of course, in, in France, just we Charlie, that was coming up again. And, you know, so he was, he was trying to bring this up for a debate in the class about these, uh, about these uh, cartoons. And so, when that happened, he told um, some of his students that, uh, you know, if you are going to be, this was in a suburb of Paris, and he told his students that if you think you are going to be uh, offended, I, I'm going to be showing something, and um, he, he invited the Muslim students to leave the room if uh, they thought they might be offended by what he was going to show. Now, um, apparently they left, except for one Muslim girl who originally said that she stayed behind by mistake. But really, it wasn't a mistake. She was doing it on purpose. Um, and it seems to have been, um, uh, she is a big part of why this teacher got beheaded, because she told her father what happened, and the father made a complaint about this history teacher. He, he made a video, the parent of this girl made a video. She called the teacher a thug. He called the teacher a thug. Um, and he was very, he was telling people if they agree with him to, to message him to, to um, and then when the, when the parent made this video, posted it on Twitter, it was shared by a Parisian mosque. So um, lots and lots of people saw it. And 10 days after the teacher had uh, shown, what the teacher did was um, he showed a cartoon of the Prophet Muhammad crouching with a star drawn on his buttocks and the inscription, a star is born. Now, you know, okay, <laughs> I could see where some people would be, uh, you know, offended by that. But the point of his lecture, of his, of his classroom discussion and debate was is this okay you know should we um uh 
this is free speech. Is this okay, even though some people may be offended? So, um, so then the girl was in the classroom. I didn't, do not believe that it was a mistake. She wanted to see what was going on and she wanted to complain about it, really. Um, and then, uh, so then it was circulated by the mosque and so on. And then 10 days later, um, a man by the name, uh, a teenager, by the name of Abulak Ab Ab Anzarov, um, who had linked to, links to ISIS? Um, he was he was a Chechen um, uh, of Chechen descent, and um, he came to the school. He asked the students to point out this teacher. He didn't even know. Well, he didn't know what the teacher looked like. He asked the students to point out the teacher. And he went in, he killed him, he beheaded him. He took, before, he took video of his beheading the teacher and he posted it online. Well, I'll stop here. And when we come back, I will continue the story of the uh, unfortunate teacher, Mr. Petit. So stay tuned, you're listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about beheadings, the gruesome new trend that terrorists are bringing west. Well, as I have started uh, to talk about this unfortunate teacher who was a beloved teacher, um, he had been a teacher for quite a while, and he really, um, he was sort of uh, especially appreciated for his um, you know, more interesting ways of teaching. This isn't like something that he did out of the blue. This is how uh, he tried to make history more current for his students. And so um, he was doing, showing the, the cartoon of uh, the Prophet Muhammad to 13, a class of 13-year-old pupils. And this one girl who stayed behind, uh, not by mistake, <laughs> uh, then told her, you know, complained to her father about it. Um, and lo and behold, as I said, he, the father posted a video. He, he complained to the school. Um, they didn't fire the teacher at the school. Uh, they, you know, they didn't think that the teacher had done anything wrong. And, but this video that the father made circulated everywhere. And undoubtedly, the man, um, the Chechen uh, teenager, and Zorov, uh, undoubtedly saw it. And he uh, came to the school and found the teacher and beheaded him, took a video of it. He was yelling Allahu Akbar as he did it. Um, and he was, he then, you know, ran away. And, um, but the, the uh, police um, followed him, were called to the school. They followed him. They asked him to surrender, to throw down his arms. Uh, he wouldn't do it. And so they shot him throw down there they yelled at him to throw down your gun and get down to the ground um and so on and but he didn't do it and he um and they ended up killing him um now this now has become a cause celebrity just like just we charlie um it has become a cause celebre to say Je suis Samuel. His name was Samuel Petit. Uh, and also Je suis Prof. 
you know, professor. And also people had signs, uh, il ne decapiteront pas la République, they will not uh, behead the Republic, France. You know, everybody is speaking up for how we need um, to have free speech. <laughs> And we're not going to be intimidated by terrorists. And apparently now, um, Muslims make up 10% of France. And I am not saying that all Muslims are terrorists or that all terrorists are Muslim. Um, so the, um, that, that, is, that is what happened in that story. Um, and people are getting behind him. You know, um, there's a, there are some interesting... Um, opinion pieces about how this the um, man who killed the teacher the teenager who killed the teacher was actually raised in um, French schools and so there's this question of people coming into French society and going into French schools you know why aren't they developing a love of France why aren't they assimilating that is the question and a lot of these people uh, apparently are feeling lost. They end up feeling like they're, they, do, they don't belong to France nor to their ancestral countries where they or their parents originally came from. So um, he, was, he came to Paris when he was six. He was in a French pr uh, primary school. When he was 10, his family moved to a city in an economically depressed area. 55 miles west of Paris, but where there were a lot of Chechen people living. Um, he went to a middle school that, uh, um, you know, a French middle school. He lived in a rent-subsidized five-story apartment building with his family. Um, this man who lived in his neighborhood said, he always passed in front of my place when going home. He was always alone with his backpack. So, and then he went to, um, he went to um, Toulouse where his uncle lived and he tried doing mixed martial arts. He was hoping to be uh, uh, in the ultimate fighting championship and that didn't happen. Kind of like the elder Boston Marathon bomber where he was trying to um, uh, excel in athletics and um, it didn't happen. And, um, and then, so they don't know whether he was influenced there through in this, um, in this athletic uh, sports club because apparently there were a number of people there who um, they thought maybe he was radicalized in this mixed martial arts club. Um, and then he wasn't successful in Toulouse. He came back to where his family lived. His father, it's interesting because his father was fairly, um, they weren't you know totally poor, his father worked setting up security for construction sites and other businesses. He wanted his son to join him in his business. And he, the father bought, recently bought his son a car, but the son couldn't drive yet. And then now they're saying, in, it's only in recent months that the teenager had shown signs of radicalization. But then of course it turns out, as often happens, that um, he had put posts on Twitter, he was attacking a large number of variety of people from Jews to Christians. Um, and anyhow, and then of course he, uh, he erupted in, um, in, you know, uh, beheading the teacher. And it's interesting. I was saying what a good teacher he was. 
this is what some of the people said about him. He is the kind of teacher who leaves his mark by his gentleness and open-mindedness. Uh, in history classes, he used contemporary examples from Pink Floyd songs to a book on racism by a soccer player to make his teachings resonate with his students. You, he, they said um, he, his philosophy was, you don't study history to talk about dead things, you study history to become a citizen. So he really was trying to teach freedom of expression. And uh, he was well loved, except by this girl who stayed behind, got her father all hot and bothered. And the father made the video that uh, got lots of people hot and bothered, including the terrorist who then beheaded the teacher. Really a sad story. Now let me go on to the next example of beheading. Really um, soon after, we then had a beheading of three, well, a beheading of one person, a killing of three people altogether, um, by Brahim Isaywi, and this was in Notre Dame Basilica in Nice. By the way, um, I want to mention, you know, when there was that fire in Notre Dame in Paris, and it has still not been uh, officially, you know, um, accounted for, I said from the very beginning that it was a terror attack. And since then, there have been many, many, many churches, priests, uh, and now people, <laughs> just regular people at, uh, in churches in, in France, um, who have been attacked by terrorists. So if you look at this, you know, looking backwards now, I mean, I, I said it from the very beginning because I've, I lived in Paris for over, for, for uh, almost three years. And so I know how, I know how these things go. Um, and so, so when you look back though, now for those people who wanted to say and still want to say that it wasn't a terror attack, that the fire at Notre Dame de Paris um, wasn't a, a terror attack, I think people need to rethink that because uh, it's not a coincidence that there are all these attacks on other churches in France and the one in, in, in Notre Dame wouldn't be related to terror. I mean, they they found that it was um, that it was uh, maybe a, a, a lit match or an electrical issue, and there had been people working um, on the uh, you know construction reconstruction on the church, and so clearly um, there a lot of immigrants work in those jobs, and so clearly a, a lit cigarette dropped an accidentally dropped cigarette um, could well be a terrorist. Anyhow, I know I keep harping on that because it really makes me angry that they, it was so political that they didn't want to say that it was terrorism. Anyhow, okay, let's go to Nice. Um, in Nice, a man came to Nice. Um, he was a man from Tunisia, 21 years old. Um, as I said, his name was Brahim Isaywi. And he came to Nice. He actually went originally to um, Italy. And in Italy, there wasn't enough room for him. There are, they are getting overwhelmed. They have, have been getting now for quite a long time, overwhelmed with people coming from North Africa to Italy and to Greece. And so when he came, they didn't have enough room to, uh, to accommodate him. He stayed for a while with a friend and he was working, um, picking olives, but then he left and uh, he went to France. And he, um, he went by train to Nice. 
and he um, beheaded, well, almost beheaded, he tried to behead, uh, a 60-year-old woman who suffered a very deep throat slit slitting like a decapitation, decapitation, like a beheading. Then he also killed um, a 55-year-old man who was the church caretaker. He had deep fatal throat cuts. You know, each of these people would have been completely beheaded if he would have been able to, uh, to do that with his knives. Um, and I mean, it's not for lack of trying. And then there was a, um, another woman who was attacked and who escaped the church, but then died in a uh, restaurant nearby. Well, I'll take a break now and we, I will uh, go on and talk about that, continue with this second beheading when we come back. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about a gruesome new trend. Terrorists are bringing beheadings west, notably to France for the moment, but um, I'm going to surprise you by talking about uh, a Canadian attack that may well, that has uh, some earmarks of these French beheadings. Okay, but for now, let's, we're talking about Nice and, um, and the church in Nice where um, a man, um, an Islamist terrorist named Brahim Isawi, uh, who is described somewhere as 21 or 25, he's in his early 20s, and uh, came from Tunisia to Italy to uh, where he wasn't allowed to stay, and then to Nice, where he went into a church and he um, killed three people, uh, almost totally beheading one and uh, clear, closely beheading, almost beheading another one. And then there was a third who he killed as well. Um, he, when he, he, of course, he was yelling when he was doing this, he was yelling Allahu Akbar. And um, when the police came, it took 30 minutes for the police to come to the church. And uh, he was still there and um, and he was still yelling Allahu Akbar, um, even as he, as the police, the police shot him, and um, he is in critical condition now. He didn't die, but uh, he's, he may. <laughs> and, uh, but even as he was on the ground after he was shot, um, he was still yelling Allahu Akbar. Then, well, interestingly, they found his belongings. He had a copy of the Quran, and he had two other unused knives, and he had two mobile phones. So what's interesting is that it is thought that he was not just a lone wolf, that in fact there were two other older men who um, they, the police have arrested and who they know had contact with him um, before he killed people at the church. So it really is not looking like, um, you know, it was a random lone wolf attack, especially also, you know, with these two phones, because he, he was described as being fairly poor, although, as I think I said, he was selling um, uh, gas, you know, um, he, I mean, he had, he had, it's just so strange that he would have two phones, 
going from Tunisia to Italy to France, unless there was some plan. And in fact, a Tunisian um, Islamist terrorist group has um, claimed responsibility. They don't know that that's true for sure. They're investigating all of this now, but it does seem like there was, um, there were these, these uh, connections. So what's always interesting to me as a psychiatrist is looking at the family of the terrorist, you know, because uh, they, it's so interesting that they have no clue, right? No clue. Um, some of them might not have a clue, <laughs> but um, surely, I mean, that's the thing. If they had been paying more attention to their, uh, in both of these beheadings, if their, the families had been paying more attention to the terrorist and realized that they were getting radicalized, realized that they were not happy, um, at the very least, you know, that they were feeling lost or they were feeling unhappy, they were feeling, you know, and, and did something to try just to pay attention to them, try to ask them what's wrong or, you know, do something before uh, to stop the progression of them ultimately traveling somewhere to the West and beheading people or attacking people in other ways. So um, he made a video call to, I'm, I'm talking about Asewi now, this, the niece killer. Um, he made a video call to his family who are back in Tunisia. And he told them that he had just arrived in Nice and he had found a place to sleep in a stairwell near a church. But that kind of is different from what the authorities are saying there is, um, because there is um, video of him arriving at the train station in Nice that same morning and walking to the church and killing these three people, beheading one of them, shouting Allahu Akbar. So he may well have been, it seems like he was lying to his family, um, you know, I mean that yes, that is part of it. Yes, if your child lies, but still, if you're if you're um, you need to know what's going on with your children. He not that he was a, I mean you know he's twenty in his early twenties, and they should know what was that he was that he was having problems. So and in fact, he was arrested for a knife crime four years ago as a teenager, and he had been using drugs and alcohol. And he gave up drugs and alcohol. This is when he was still in Tunisia. And he took up prayer. Now, he wasn't on any Tunisian or French list of suspected jihadists. Um, but uh, so he, his family in Tunisia, he has parents and nine siblings. They cried when they spoke to the media. Um, and when the television reports showed the scene of the attack, they recognized it from his video call. They said they hadn't seen him since September when he got on a boat for Italy. And um, he had told his family, I want to work like everyone else and get married, buy a house and a car just like anyone. So, you know, clearly he felt like he wasn't gonna be able to do that in Tunisia. Um, he sold black market petrol to make money to pay smugglers to take him to Europe. Uh, you know, but he, but instead of continuing to try to make a life for himself where he could get buy a house and have get married and all of that, he, instead he decided to go to a church and behead uh, people who were there. Now, interestingly, when he, um, 
he told his uh, mother on the phone, mum, pray for me. So at the train station in Nice, he spent an hour and a half um, <laughs> and he put on new shoes and reversed his coat. Very strange. Obviously not wanting to be identified, but um, you know, this is an, still a, an interesting story that, um, you know, more details will come out. It's, it's kind of uh, interesting that he would do that in the, in the train station. His family wanted to believe that he was just an innocent bystander who got caught up in it, that he witnessed a crime and then he went over to see what was happening. They didn't want to believe that actually he was the one who attacked the people. Um, now, I said I was going to tell you about Canada. You may well have heard about the Halloween attack in Canada. Now, this is not necessarily a terrorist. In fact, it seems like someone who was mentally ill as opposed to someone who was connected to a terrorist organization. However, this was, however it seems like someone who could well have been um, a copycat or um, inspired by these attacks happening in France because he um, came, he was dressed in a medieval costume and he killed two people with a samurai sword and injured five others. This was in Quebec. So in Quebec, French, French town, French Montreal, Quebec. Um, you know, so clearly there, it seems like there may well have been in his mind in any case, a connection to the attacks in France that he wanted, he lived, um, he lived in outside of Montreal and he went all the way to Quebec City and it could well be that he wanted to do, uh, to copy what was happening in France in his area in Canada. Uh, because also there is a lot of anti-French sentiment now, sentiment now, um, because Macron is and and you know and the general population in France are standing up for freedom of speech, and so um, so this man in Quebec um, who drove, he was 24 years old, um, he drove to uh, Quebec City and he, um, he randomly, it seems like it was random, just attacked his victims starting at 10.30 at night. And he stopped his car uh, and left it running. <laughs> and he found, the first victim was found lying on the ground bludgeoned. And in the car, um, there was also a sword sheath and cans of gasoline. So he may have been planning to, after he um, knifed people in the street, bludgeoned them, knifed them, he was could well have been planning to pour gasoline somewhere and start a fire as well. And he went on this rampage for two hours and um, a witness said, we heard someone shout, there's a sicko with a knife. And then there were screams. And since it was Halloween, a lot of people thought it was just a prank. So now this young man doesn't have a criminal record, but um, they're saying it was revealed in a quote, medical context, unquote, five years ago that he wanted to commit violence. So what that says to me is he told a doctor, a regular doctor or a psychiatrist 
or um, perhaps he was in a mental hospital and he told people that he wanted to commit violence. And I guess no one took him seriously enough. And um, voila, voila, <laughs> five years uh, later, he did it and may well have been, uh, as I said, incited uh, insp and inspired by the attacks in France. Now, the, um, the verdict of the trial, the, the trial in Paris of the Charlie Hebdo accomplices, you know, the remember it was, first it was the Charlie Hebdo magazine offices where editors and so on were killed. And then they, there was someone else who, there were two brothers who did that. And then a friend of theirs did the kosher market attack. And so the, these are accomplices who are being tried at, in, in Paris, and the verdict is expected on November 13th, which is the fifth anniversary of another series of deadly Islamic uh, attacks in Paris. So that should be an interesting day, <laughs> because presumably at least some of these uh, accomplices are going to be found guilty. So there may well be a backlash on that day as well. But my opinion about all this, I mean, of course, it's tragic and it's horrible. And it's what's really scary is that um, there, there are these uh, copycats, not just shooting and knifing and so on, but actually beheading. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is that um, it's not... Not that it's uh, things should be done to necessarily purposely offend people, but one does have to speak up for freedom of speech. Well, thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.